Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes. Members and podcast of the Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Dylan Hughes, we haven't spoken for two weeks, so I got to know, what is your top Thanksgiving food the week after Thanksgiving? I don't know if this counts because it's, it's a dessert, but pumpkin pie is just, it just every year, it just takes over my life for a small segment of time. I mean, it's just... It's one of those things that I love, but I like respect it too much to eat it any other time of year. So I just save it for Thanksgiving time and I just plow into it, man. It's just it's just unbelievable. The taste buds thank me every time and it it will never be topped for me. It's funny because I myself am not a big pumpkin guy. If I was to eat a pie, my favorite pies are probably is pecan. I don't really have a close second. I love a good pecan pie. Um, my girlfriend's grandmother makes a killer pecan pie and we didn't get to have it this year. Hopefully we get to have some around Christmas. We'll see. Knock, knock on wood, you know, (laughs) we'll see. Um, Dylan, I feel like we, the injuries we got to update on, we can talk about BAM in our heat section in case you need a reminder. Our teams for this week are the Heat, Pistons, and then we had the Nuggets. But Jokic played like one game this week, so he switched to the Suns, which I'd say, Dylan, was a very good decision <laughs> on my part. <laughs> so we, um, we, we're we doing those three teams. We'll talk about Bam then. But we got the news while we were gone that uh, Sexton is going to be out for the rest of the season and Michael Porter Jr. is going to be out for the rest of the season, which we talked about on the last episode, but I still feel like we need to mention that their timelines are solid now. Um, I'm trying to think of what other injuries are pressing that we need to discuss. Uh, PJ Dozier on the Nuggets tour. He had a season-ending injury, which sucks. <laughs> the Nuggets just can't catch a break right now. And then I think that Ja had a scare, but I think he's fine. So any other injury news that you think I'm missing, Dylan? Not that I can remember. It's It's been a mess of a couple weeks. It really has been. Just thank the basketball gods that Ja's okay, because that was a scary fall. And he, I think it was only a knee sprain. So the fact that it wasn't like an Achilles or something, that was very awesome. Um, I'm sorry for the abbreviated intro folks. We're on a little bit of a time crunch today. So we're going to get right to the wheel. Dylan and I agreed that we're pushing the nuggets to this week. So we already have one of our teams decided. So Dylan, the good news is that right now on the good team wheel, the West outnumbers the East. (laughs) So the odds are we'll get a West team. And on the first spin on the wheel, we get the Dallas Mavericks. Are we comfortable with keeping the Dallas Mavericks Dylan Hughes? Why not? They just came off. Um, they blew out the Pelicans yesterday in a absolute <laughs> shit kicking of a game. So, Dylan, are you excited to catch up on this new edition of the Mavericks? Um, I don't know if excited is a good word for it. I just really ever since the playoffs last year, I've kind of lost all interest in the Mavericks. Um, and then the whole Jason Kidd thing coming in. So I don't know. Well, you know, they still have some players I love, so I guess it it's uh, 
it's probably about due time I give him a look. It is, and for our bad team, I'll put bad in quotation marks because they are currently the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> our Cleveland Cavaliers, Dylan Hughes. So I know you're excited to watch Evan Mobley for a little bit. Yeah, sadly, I didn't get to watch the Heat-Cavs game last night. I wanted to, but kind of just ran out of time. Uh, but hey, now I get to. So I'm excited to finally see what it's all about because they've been one of the better surprises of this year. I also feel compelled to inform you, Dylan. I did switch up the bad wheel and good wheel this morning. I decided to move the two seed Washington Wizards to the good wheel in favor of, and I hate to say it, Dylan, your Indiana Pacers. Listen, you don't even have to hate to say it. It's just, it's just bad. Like I haven't even been watching the Pacers lately. It's just like, it's not interesting. It's not interesting basketball to me. And there's going to be a breaking point at some point this season. One, someone's getting traded unless TJ Warren can come back and be a savior, which I doubt, but Hey, crazy things have happened. I mean, TJ, they said they were good scans yesterday on TJ Warren, but they also said they have no, they were encouraging signs, but there's also no clear timetable. Which is it, Rick Carlisle? <laughs> Which is it? That's, it's a contradicting statement. But um, I did want to start with the Miami Heat because I feel like they're our most pressing team this week. Again, so our teams for next week, just just as a final reminder, it's the Nuggets, the Mavericks, and the Cavaliers, which will be, uh, I'd say, a moderately fun week. The Nuggets are on a tailspin of epic proportions right now. They did beat our the Miami Heat this week, but um, our teams for this week are the Heat, Suns, and Pistons. And let's start with the Heat because they had an injury to Bam Adebayo, one of the, I think Dylan and I agree, one of the top 25 players in the league right now. And... I had him at 26, but Kawhi hasn't played all year, so that gives me carte blanche to put him in the top 25 while he's out. So, yeah, that sucks for them. But um, so they're 13 and nine, good for fifth in the Eastern Conference. Their last, I'm going to just do the last since we did. So on November 17th, they beat the Pelicans 113 to 98. On November 18th, they beat the Wizards 112 to 97. They then lost to the Wizards again on Saturday, the 20th, 103 to 100. Um, they beat the Pistons 100 to 92 last Tuesday. They lost to the Timberwolves 113 to 101 on Wednesday, the 24th. They beat the Bulls 107 104 on Saturday, the 27th. They lost to the, and then they're on a two game losing streak right now. They lost to the Nuggets. 120 to 111, and they lost to the Cavs 111 to 85. But the biggest thing is Bam has torn as a torn UCL in his wrist. I heard optimistic projections are he'll miss six weeks. But six weeks is a lot of time in the NBA, Dylan. And even with me being a little lower on Bam than you are, he's still like one of the five best defensive players in the league. How are they going to feel his impact missing time? I mean, it's going to be disastrous <laughs> like losing losing a player like bam out of bio is not he's not just someone that you just make up for i mean he has such a huge impact on this team and you know something we can dive into a little bit deeper that i've noticed with this team is something that they're going to miss is that like 
I mean, Butler, Lowry, and Bam almost, I'm not going to say they play the same role, but they're all just similar players where they're kind of always making, looking to make that next pass, right? And I think that's what's so beautiful about this team is that, you know, there's, there's not a guy that's just always looking to get a shot. I guess aside from maybe Tyler Hero, but like everyone else is kind of, you know, they're, they're looking to, to make a play for someone else. And Bam is a huge piece in that. And he's, I'm not going to say he's the most important, but being the center, I mean, uh, these passing big men that pass out of the post have such a huge impact on, on a team's offense and how many open looks they get. And Man, like he he just has such a huge impact on where the ball goes on offense. And of course he's their finisher too down low, which of course you need. Um and then the defensive side, obviously, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna make up for one of the best defensive players in the game just going away. Uh especially as a big man. I mean, big men on defense are the most important on anyone. And listen, I love Dwayne Deadman. I really do. I really, really like Dwayne Dedman, but he's going to be fine. But he's nowhere near Bam Adebayo. And something Danny LaRue always says is, yeah, your backup might be good enough to replace Bam, but who's Dedman's backup? And right now, I think his backup is a guy named Omer Yurt7, who <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen play, <laughs> first of all. And... Yeah, like, Deadman's a good center, right? Like, he was probably their second-best player in the Heat series last year, if not their best player, which was an indicator of how that series went for them last year. But Deadman is a fine backup, right? The problem is, it's just, like, what are they going to do with the backup five? Like, is P.J. Tucker going to take on a bigger role now? Like, I think that's probably going to be what has to happen. He's going to have to play a lot of five, like he did in Houston, and I don't think they wanted to spend the regular season playing old-ass P.J. Tucker at the five. Like, I, I really don't think that's how they wanted to spend. I think they wanted to save that for the playoffs, not the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But you're so right about the BAM pass, passing aspect of it. Am I crazy? Like, I don't think his stats are, like, where they were his first All-Star season or last year. But I feel like this is the best BAM I'd ever played. Like, just watching the games from this week, like, he just, like, had complete control of his passing. I mean, he's not Jokic. But I dare you to name a better passing center than Bam after Jokic. Like, he's just such a good, like, makes all the right passes, you know, and a lot of hockey assists, too. It's kind of like Marc Gasol-esque, honestly, which <laughs> I never thought I'd say about Bam at a bio, but he's really such a good ball mover. And the finishing, God, he's so athletic. There were a couple of falls in, he had in some of those games, though, that were, like, really concerning. Like, he just jumps really high up in the air for alley-oops. And I like, I'm not, I'm just going to say, I'm not surprised he hurt his wrist because he was like five feet in the air, like hanging down and then he'd fall flat on his face. You know, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, frankly, but he's a really important player. It's going to suck that, that he's gone. And I think it'll just mean Jimmy has to shoulder a bigger load. I mean, Jimmy's been playing phenomenally this year, like it's averaging. Let's see. I have the schedule pulled up. Apologies. Um, I have two schedule pages pulled up. So Jimmy is averaging 23.6 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 5.3 assists, two steals. Like Jimmy's been phenomenal this year, Dylan. 
I feel like he's going to have to shoulder more of a load if Bam's out. Yeah, I mean, and this is a perfect transition because this was kind of one of the main things I wanted to talk about today. We saw this week, okay, this was a bad week to watch the Heat. They lost like three of four. Of course, the one game they they win is against the Bulls, which is like the best the best one they could have had. And Jimmy was very good at the end of that game. Like he was, you know, probably the reason they won that game. But the other games, I noticed that he just he just seemed to be kind of and he's he's kind of been passive for a few years with the Heat. Like as soon as he got there. He's been more more of a passive player than he was in Chicago and Minnesota. And I noticed this week that it just seems their offense really suffers when he is playing that passive role. And there were some of these games where, you know, he he just shot bad. It wasn't necessarily about him not not really passing, but I forget which game it was. One of these games he had like nine or nine shots. You know, like with Bam out, this is that's just not okay. And it, this was an interesting week to watch them too because Hero missed a couple games. And man, watching them without Hero, like I kind of think if they don't have Hero, they're screwed because Hero is like the one spark that they really have. Like this team is very talented, okay? So with Bam, Jimmy, and Kyle Lauer, you have three awesome players on both sides of the floor. Both or all of them are very good on offense, too. And they all have the ability to step up and and take over on offense if they want to. But it doesn't seem like it's ever really their first instinct to do that. And I think their offense kind of suffers for it. Because, like, if if you're looking at some of these numbers, and again, this is just kind of this week, there's just like they put up 111 against Denver in a loss, but all these other games, there's like there's just not a ton of scoring going on. They're like barely eclipsing 100 points, or like you know last night against Cleveland they didn't have Jimmy, so not really fair. But they only scored 85. So I I just I think that one of these guys, and it probably will end up being Jimmy, but someone needs to really step up and become more aggressive on offense because. I mean, you can kind of tell when Tyler Hero is out there, there's just a, it just feels different. Like it feels like their offense is a little bit more dynamic because you have to watch for this dude. He's going to step back on your ass and pull up or he's going to get to the rim or something's going to happen. And it's kind of interesting. I was looking at their lineup numbers last night and with Tyler Hero playing the point guard next to like their regular starting lineup without Kyle Lowry. They're like awesome. They are they are really good. And that was an experiment they kind of tried last year when they didn't really have a point guard. Like they would throw Hero at point guard. They would throw Victor Oladipo at point guard. And some of those lineups were fine. They weren't great. Like it didn't really feel like they were ever good enough. But this year, like I, they have a lot of – I think they have many more options at point guard now, obviously, because – Hero is a lot better than he was last year and then Kyle Lowry. But there just needs to be someone that steps up and takes over on offense, I think, with and without Bam. But especially with Bam out now, you're going to be giving up more points. Like, that's just a matter – that's just a fact. So, I think one of those guys really has to step up and and kind of 
put a little bit more gas in this in this car because it just it feels like it's it just feels like there's not enough without someone stepping up and really kind of going out of their way to try to take over. Yeah. And it doesn't help at all that Duncan Robinson is having by far his worst season (laughs) immediately after he got the contract Um, shooting 31% from three, 31.8% from three right now on nine attempts a game. He's just, he's not making enough threes to justify like he's getting a lot of attention from the defense, right? Like he's spacing the floor, but they always had that. Like you could count on that little bit of juice from him, you know, making f- like five threes out of nine or something like every other night. He was not going to do that every night because if he did, he'd probably be the best shooter outside of staff. But he still you could count on him making threes in this year. It, they're just not going in for him. And then Lowry's only shooting 30 percent from three. This team needs Tyler Hero because he's <laughs> I'm not going to say he's their second best player right now. But your point about him scoring and being so aggressive is dead on. Like he's he's where he was in the 2020 bubble playoffs, which, you know, we hated on Hero a little bit last year and rightfully so. But I do think that with him having a full offseason to work on his game, him, you know, not only needing to be back in 71 days, I think we're seeing what his potential is and he's really living up to it. And honestly, Dylan, if Duncan Robinson wasn't on this team, he'd be the easy fifth starter. Like the only reason they start Duncan Robinson is because of the spacing. But honestly, <laughs> the way things are going right now, you Tyler Hero might be a just better spacer overall. If you stagger your lineups right too, you could have the same impact where he's coming in and, you know, leading the bench in scoring. But I, I just feel like Dylan at a certain point, <laughs> you got to start your best players. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. I've never really thought about that because having hero off the bench just seems like it works, but I mean, yeah, he's definitely not been nearly as good this year. And last night, especially <laughs> last night, he was really, really bad. So it's it's yeah it's an interesting idea and it may be the way they have to go and again like Spolstra is smart enough he can figure out how to kind of shuffle some of these pieces together but some I'm looking at their their lineup from the or the the box score from the Denver game and I forgot that that Jimmy was out in this game too and these injuries really just highlight how I, I'm not going to say their depth is bad because I don't think the players coming off the bench are bad. But when you have an injury, it's like, okay, now we're scrambling. You know, like there's some teams like the Bucks. The Bucks have had injuries this year and they just really haven't had a problem like replacing those guys. The Nets have injuries and it's like, okay, we'll just throw this guy out there. You know, Denver seems to always find someone to replace their injured guy. But the Heat, and to be fair, when your two best players are out, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's tough to fill those holes, but they just really struggle. Like in this Denver game, you have, you have, is it Caleb? It's Caleb Barton, right? I'm never, never going to be able to remember that. Um, so you have Caleb Martin star and he's like amazing, which you can't expect every night, but then it's like, okay, well, we're going to play Casey Akpala a little bit and he sucks. And we're going to play Yurt Seven, who is definitely a computer-generated human being. Like, that is not a real human being. I'm sorry, but that's just not a real human being. So, 
got to get out that out there. I will say, okay. So Gabe Vincent and Max Struess are just like amazing somehow. Like they, they showed some stuff last year. Like they kind of caught my eye a little bit more Vincent than Struess. I thought Struess was kind of overrated a little bit last year. It seemed like he had like one good game and everyone loved him. And that was kind of it. But Gabe Vincent, I've, I've liked, and they're both, they've both been huge lately, just knocking down threes off the bench. Outside of those two and Deadman, though, it's like, man, what is there? And again, when you have a fully healthy starting lineup, this is, it's fine. Like, you're not going to, you don't need uh, a ton of other support, especially when Hero's out there, too. But it's like, man, when you get these injuries, especially to someone like Bam. Whereas you mentioned, there's really no one on the bench that can replace him, uh, or even replace Deadman. It's like this is this is going to be an interesting six weeks with with Bam out because Jimmy is going to miss time. He he's 32. He always takes some time off during the season. Kyle Lowry is probably going to do the same. What's going to happen? Like I think this team is going to slip at some point. And the teams kind of put themselves in a little bit of a hole here. Like the Robinson contract, you understand in like retrospect, right? Because he's a dynamite shooter, right? And he's, you know, the last couple of years, statistically, he was one of the best shooters in the league. But I'm just looking at their salary cap here, their salary sheet. So Jimmy's making 36 million this year. Bam's making 28. Lowry's making 27. Robinson's at 15.7. Then their next highest salary is Pete, they're still paying Ryan Anderson, which I did not realize that they were paying Ryan Anderson to begin with. <laughs> and they're paying PJ Tucker $7 million. Like, you don't have enough guys to cobble together a trade is the problem. Like, to improve your roster, they're, they're kind of stuck. They need, like, buyout guys. And Miami's always done well in the buyout market, so that's not going to be an issue for them. But the other problem with that is that who's getting bought out this year? Like, we're not... The 2016 contracts are done, right? Like they all ended. Nick Batum was the last one of those and he was bought out before last season. So there's no more of those big contracts that are expiring anymore. Like teams smartened up in 2018, (laughs) seemingly. And I mean, John Wall might get bought out, but he doesn't fix their problem. And John Wall would fix a problem for them. He wouldn't fix their problem. I, what's interesting to me, Dylan, is that all three of the top teams in the East, and I think we can agree, even though the Bucks aren't in the top three, they're one of the top three teams. They all have a front court depth problem. I think that's really an interesting thing to me where, you know, the Bucks have been really missing Brooke Lopez this year. The Nets um, outside of KD. <laughs> Blake isn't even playing anymore. And they're like relying a lot on LaMarcus Aldridge. And then the Heat, outside of P.J. Tucker and Bam, they don't really have a whole lot of depth at the 4-5. Like, Struess is a 3 at best. Um, Duncan Robinson was playing 4 in one of the games I saw. I don't remember which one, but he was. there was a game where it's like, okay, this dude is the power forward right now, and that's a scary proposition because Duncan Robinson weighs, like, probably 200 pounds. <laughs> so, I, I like, it, it just doesn't make sense as a math equation. And I think they'll be fine in the long run, right? Like, without Bam, it's going to suck. Their defense is going to take a hit. But, man, it's just – it's going to be brutal the next couple of weeks. And I, don't be surprised – would you be surprised, Dylan, if they fall back in the standings? Oh, definitely not. I mean, especially when – like, these – 
you got like every team in the East is like one game behind them at this point. Like Cleveland, Atlanta, Boston, and Charlotte, they're all one game behind. The Knicks aren't that far back. Philly has taken a tumble lately, but they're not that far back either. Like these these teams are close enough where your one of your best players is out and it's like two weeks later. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're we're tenth in the east now. You know? Like it it's I think it's definitely likely that they take at least a small tumble. Cause again, their depth, I just don't I don't trust their depth right now. Like you're gonna need I mean, as I kind of mentioned earlier, like you're going to need one of these guys to just start going off. Like you're going to need Lowry to start putting up like 25 a night or Tyler Hero to start going off even more than he has. Like you've got to you've got to find some something, some sort of spark, because like, as I mentioned earlier, their their offense lately, like they're in the past two weeks. Shout out to cleaning the glass for the the last two week stats. Because watching them this week, I'm like, their offense is 10th in the league this year, but it doesn't feel like it. And thankfully, Claim the Glass has more recent. In the past two weeks, they're 18th in offensive uh, – or 20th. They're 20th in offensive rating. Um, so, it's just not – it's just not going well right now, and it's going to get worse. And, you know, their defense, which has been kind of just average lately too – is obviously going to slip with Bam out. So it's going to be really interesting, man. It's going to be really interesting. And something I thought about last night, and this is definitely just because Kyle Lowry is on the team, but this team kind of reminds me of that Raptors team the year after they won, where it's like, man, this team is really freaking good. If they just had Kawhi, they would be really awesome. And I kind of feel the same about this team where it's like, this team is really good, but without like that next level of player, it's just, it's probably going to be a second round loss. And I don't want to look too far ahead of the playoffs, but we always kind of do with these playoff teams. Cause you kind of got to measure them up against each other at some point. And right now I'm, I'm just definitely concerned about them. Isn't it crazy that losing Jay crack last offseason <laughs> is probably one of the worst things that's happened to them. Like, and one of the best things that's happened to the Sun turns out that guy is helpful for winning basketball games. But yeah, I think that they just like, and they have that guy, right? Like Jimmy's not Kawhi, but he's closer to Kawhi than a lot of guys' best, a lot of other teams' best players are. So I think I give them that, you know, that edge a little bit, if you will. But I think that. You're right, because it just feels like they're missing something. And what they're missing is that guy to lock down fours, right? We'll talk about this more in the sun section, but what do they have? They have somebody that can guard everybody, (laughs) right? And that's – I'm just going to be real, Dylan. Like, nobody in the league has what the Suns have on defense, so it's a little bit of an unfair comparison. But you just feel like there's a hole, a gaping hole at that four spot because no one – obviously no one can guard Giannis, right? But if you have a body you can throw at him, like the Heat can't even trade for Thad Young. And, you know, I've been a big proponent of Thad's going to get traded to a contender and he's going to help somebody season. He might help the Sun season. We'll, we'll see. I've been a big proponent of them trading for Thad. But I, I just feel like the Heat need <laughs> that extra piece. They're missing a piece and I don't know who that piece is and how that piece will come to them. 
man, Thad would be the perfect filler right now for them. When Bam out of bio goes out, get Thad young. Just get Thad young. But yeah, sadly, um, not going to happen. So I don't want to say sadly because I, I'm, I'm excited for Thad's next team. I don't know what team it's going to be, but I'm excited because he's going to play a role for somebody this season. And I pray to God it's not a team in L.A. That's all I pray for. Um, but it, hopefully it'll be someone because he, he deserves to have a run at it. He de- definitely does. He definitely does. Well, I think we've exhausted all our thoughts on the, um, Oh, I do want to, you brought up Caleb Martin earlier. I want to shout him out because <laughs> he's currently winning the Martin Wars between him and his brother. Um, it looked like Cody was the better player in Charlotte, but now Caleb is outshining him in Miami. That's could be because Caleb is getting more <laughs> opportunities on a less deep roster. But shout out to him because he's playing great. And you brought up Max Struess. The Heat just have an ability to find guys, pluck them off the street, and get them to be 38% three-point shooters. I don't know what it is. I don't know where Max Struess went to college. Let's see. Where did he go to college? He went to DePaul. Okay. How many NBA players have there been from DePaul in the last, like, 20 years? I mean, so let's see. That's the wrong way. So, Paul Reed. Okay. Wilson Chandler was the last big player from DePaul. So to give you an idea of what we're dealing with here, and they just turned him into a shooter. Shout out to shout out to Max Struess for becoming an actual rotation player. Oh, also, I will say this team is missing Markeith Morris badly, which is a bad sign. <laughs> if you're missing Markeith Morris badly, I mean, we watch a lot of Lakers basketball in the bubble, Dylan. That's not a good sign. <laughs> no, I mean, Markeith Morris has been out of the league, in my opinion, for like three years, but he's still here. Um, so yeah, if, if you're missing him, then you are in a disastrous position. That's a good way to put it. We'll see old we'll monitor their progress as we go along in the league. But Dylan, I figured you wanted to save the Suns for last. Was that a correct assumption? Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and get to the most depressing team in the league and let's do the Detroit Pistons. So on Friday, November 18th, they lost to the Warriors 102 to 105, a game I probably should have watched. Um, they lost to the Lakers. They're currently 4 and 17, good for 15th in the East, and I believe last place in the league now. Now that Houston's gone on like a quasi winning streak, let's see. Yes, they are the worst team in the league right now by record. So there you have it, Detroit fans. Um, anyway, they lost to the Lakers 121 to 116 in that game with Isaiah Stewart running all over the court. Like a like a maniac, they lost to the Heat one hundred and ninety two. They lost to the Bucks one fourteen to ninety three. Lost to the Clippers one hundred seven to ninety six in a game that was not really that close. Lost to the Lakers one ten to one hundred six. Then on Tuesday night they lost to the Trailblazers one ten to ninety two. Um, this team is I feel pretty much identical to the one last year. I think you would probably agree with that. Um. It just feels like not much has changed. What have you seen? Let's just, let's start with Kate Cunningham. He is not shooting well at all right now. 36% from the field and 27% from three. But 14 points, six and a half rebounds, five assists. And on a better team, that number would probably be like six or seven assists. 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks game. It feels like he's a complete basketball player already, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to say about a guy in his like who's only played 16 games, but he's really good. Dylan, what have you liked from Cade Cunningham so far? So let me ask, did you watch the Portland game? 
I did not. He had a career high. He was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. 10 of 13 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. I mean, I've been noticing this lately, but that game was especially the game where it's like, this dude is here and he knows it. Like, he is so comfortable with the ball. He's so confident. And, yes, he had six turnovers, but he's a rookie. And some of those were kind of garbage time, so it didn't really matter when they were already down by, like, 30 or whatever. But he is just so fun to watch. And you've lately you've kind of seen a shift away from Jeremy Grant, which isn't completely fair to say because Jeremy Grant, like, has still been pretty good lately. Uh, he wasn't good in the Portland game. Very, He wasn't very good. But for the most part, he's been good. But you can kind of see that shift, the, like the alpha shift almost away from Grant and into Cade. And Cade is just so good because he's, he's that three-level score that we talk about, which is so important, where, you know, in college we saw him work a lot closer to the rim and like kind of in the paint area. And he's done, he's done that in the NBA too, but it seems like he's been more focused also on, you know, getting some good three point shots up. And I mean, I think, I just think three level, like, you know, the numbers aren't going to be great. Obviously he's a rookie wing on a terrible team. Like the numbers aren't going to be great, but in nights, like a couple of nights ago when, when they played Portland, it's like, man, this kid is special. Like he's, I was watching that game last night and I'm like, this dude is going to be, he's like, I think he's going to get into that, like Jalen Brown. Like, I don't want to say Tatum, but like, he's going to get into that Jalen Brown kind of level Chris Middleton where it's like, yeah, these, these dudes are some of the best two way wings in the league. Like he's going to be on that level. And I think he's going to get there pretty soon because on offense, he just looks so comfortable already. And he's just going to get so many shots this season. And especially whenever Grant gets traded, hopefully that happens somewhat soon. He's going to get even more shots because let me tell you something, Alex, no one on this team is shooting. Okay. Nobody on this team, Killian Hayes. He's lucky if he gets up like seven, eight shots a game. Isaiah Stewart is obviously a center and he's very efficient with his shots, but he's not putting up a ton. Sadiq Bay, he will put some up, but like no one on this team aside from Grant is is really getting to the double figures very often. So this is the Cade Cunningham show and it's going to only become more of that and I don't care whether they're winning or not. I'm excited to watch. Frank Jackson is getting up shots, I'll tell you that much. That dude. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about his mustache for just one second? Uh, he looks he looks straight out of the 80s. Like he looks he like looks, you he looks like he's 38 years old. He's like what, 23? I think he's he's 23 years old. He's about to turn 24 in next May. He is not that old. And he looks that mustache is an incredible look on him. The mustache with the short hair. I mean it's just so funny to see a dude who looks that old just chucking shots off the dribble. Like he's not making a whole lot of them. No one on this team is making a whole lot of shots right now. Um <laughs> The highest three-point percentage on the team is Luca Garza at 35. 
percent. Killian Hayes is at thirty four point nine. Kelly Olynyk only at thirty four point one. And he would honestly, him not being out there is probably making everyone look worse by comparison. I'm actually going to pull up the lineup stats because I'm curious to see what it looks like with Cade and Kelly Olynyk on the floor together. But I think that this team really like could use Kelly Olynyk's, you know, basketball acumen. It's not good. It's not good, but it, just because it's not good with anybody on the court in Detroit right now. Um, but they've only played 80 possessions together, Cade and Olenek. So I think that when that number goes up, Cade's basketball IQ is just through the roof. But I do have a slight issue with him, Dylan, and I think you'll see where I'm coming from with this. He did this in college, too, what I'm about to say. So this isn't like a new criticism of Cade. But he kind of has like a, a feel out the game tendency where he doesn't in the first half, it doesn't feel like he's being assertive at times, right? Like he's very much, I'm going to make the right pass. I'm going to make the right play, no matter if I should be taking a shot or not. Like he, he'll take a shot, like more in the rhythm of offense than forcing the issue, which is a great thing. But oftentimes like in college, what would happen would be like, he'd take like five shots in the first half and have like five points. And then he'd have like 25 points in the second half because he just started, like he realized, oh, I'm the best player on the floor. And like, I feel like he does that and that, that's translated over to the NBA too. And I feel like things would be better for Cade if he just like took his shots more naturally and, or not naturally, but unnaturally and started like forcing the issue. Yeah, that's an interesting point because in that Portland game, actually, he, he put up a three point shot towards the end of the game that got blocked. And the Pistons announcers were like, this is the first shot he's forced all game. And it's like, okay, that sounds that does sound good to hear that like he's not forcing shots. And he had a great game in that game, so you can't complain. But as soon as you start talking about that, I was thinking about Tatum. And I feel like Tatum is the exact opposite of that, where like he'll put he doesn't care. He'll put he'll put shots up. Like there was a bunch of games in the playoffs, I guess all of the playoffs at this point, where he'll start off the first half like one of eight or something. And then the second half he'll be awesome, of course. But if I'm thinking of Tatum as like a shot forcer, because if Tatum didn't force any shots, he would probably average like 14 points a game. <laughs> like his shots are all forced. It feels like he makes some ridiculous shots and you kind of have to do that. Like Kawhi is almost the same and he looks so robotic when he's doing it. It doesn't feel forced, but a lot of those those ISO shots are like ridiculous shots, but they go in because he's practiced a million times over the last 10 years. So that's that's definitely an interesting idea because I mean, yeah, like he he's gonna have to develop that. And hey, you want to talk about forcing shots, just look at your teammate Jeremy Grant, buddy. That dude's throwing some shots up. Okay. These shots should not be going up. They're going up. So but hey, like Jeremy Grant has has scored a lot of points in the past two years because of it. So yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting point. And like there's so many levels to becoming a great scorer in the league. It's almost it's almost hard to even notice them all because obviously some players start off from a different level than others. But I mean, like I think I think Kawhi is an interesting guy to look at. And so is Tatum, because I don't think I think Tatum, his first year or two, only averaged like 15 points or something like that. I may be wrong on that, but 
he wasn't averaging a ton of points a game. And Kawhi, we, everyone knows, started off very slow. And it's like some, some of these wings start off like that where it's like they're going to they're gonna kind of ease their way into their game and they're going to figure things out. And then they're going to get confident. And that like Jaylen, I think Jalen Brown last year, you really saw that. Where it's like, okay, well, we're confident. We're gonna start. We're gonna start putting some some weird forced shots up and see if they go in. And oh, those are going in. Okay, so now we're gonna step it up even another level. So there's kind of a level to these guys. And hey, some of them don't ever don't ever change levels. You know, some of them kind of get stuck in their game and they're just happy with that, and that's fine. Some guys are like, hey, I want better. And and in a few years or a few years later they end up averaging, you know, 25 to 30 points a game. So hopefully we start to see that with Cade. Again, he's a rookie, so there's a ton of time on his side. But I, I really am interested to watch them, even though they're a terrible basketball team. I'm just excited to watch them the rest of the season to kind of see if Cade starts figuring some of these things out. And I, I pulled up while we were talking um, his splits, right? And basketball reference has a nice little thing where they split it by his um, his minutes played. So in the games where he's played 30 to 39 minutes, he's averaging 17 points a game, 7.2 boards and 4.5 assists on 41, 34, 86 splits, which is a lot better <laughs> than the shooting we talked about earlier. So I think that we're just going to need to see more more from Cade as he plays more games. But I think a really sad development from the season has been Sadiq Bey has kind of fallen off a cliff. <laughs> I don't know what it is with him. I think everyone's kind of fallen off a cliff in Detroit. I mean, Killian Hayes wasn't ever on the cliff to begin with. So I, you know, uh, it's, it just kind of seems ugly right now in Detroit. And Sadiq Bey obviously would be better served not taking 13 shots a game. It, it probably isn't good for It's one of those things, not good for him right now, but it will be in like three years. But I think that, you know, if you stuck him on a contender right now, he'd obviously be a lot better. But he's getting up shots. Um, Isaiah Stewart's basically stopped shooting threes, which sucks. Like we were intrigued by that last year and he's just stopped doing it. Um, Trey Lyles is getting way too much time on this team. Your boy Hami Diallo isn't getting enough time. Like, and by the way, that's like if NBA teams, you want to exploit the uh, the guards the centers thing, get Hamidou Diallo because that dude can finish anything. So I would like I funny enough, you steal the next guy to do that from Detroit again. Like what Gary Payton's doing and what Bruce Brown is doing. But yeah, Dylan, this team just like <sighs> Have you seen any good things from Killian or Sadiq Bey this year? <laughs> okay. I, before I answer that, I, I have to talk about what you just talked about. Cause it's my moral duty, but w- watching the Suns and warriors game the other night, I was obviously in love with Gary Payton and I'm just, re- it's just realizing as you named all those players next to each other. And of course, Zaire Smith gets thrown into that group as well. But I think this is my basketball kink. This is what it is. It's it's guards that play play like centers. That's what it is. I've kind of known this for years now, but now I'm like fully embracing my basketball sexuality. I think um, this is what I'm into. Like a wild I, analogy. <laughs> I have Hamadou Diallo stats pulled up. Of course, he's shooting seventy two percent from the rim. 
get him on the fucking floor, Dwayne Casey, please. 72% or 72% at the rim is what I meant to say. 72% at the rim for a guard. Come on, get him on the floor. But yeah, I mean, Sadiq Bey, the thing is funny with him is that I, I just love watching him, even though the shots don't go in. <laughs> like every like I just like his style of player where like he's obviously like mainly a three point shooter, but he's got some like dribbling chops too. Like he can pull he can he can beat a defender and like pull up, you know, like he's got like he could easily average 20 points a game. Like I don't think that's crazy to say. Like I think he has really good talent on offense. Like he he could put a lot of points up. And I, I'm gonna work on a comp for him because I need a comp. I, I can't talk about player young players about some sort of a comp. So I'm gonna have to work on the comp for Sadiq Bay. But he's just I just love watching him. And he's gonna get better. I mean, it's been tough lately. But hey, he's getting shots up, okay? Like those those reps do help. Um, hopefully there will be some sort of a clicking point for him where it just all kind of starts going because I mean, he was great last year, you know? So I don't know if it's just that there's more ball handling there now that it's kind of making him take a back seat, but you know, he'll come around and Killian Hayes, I like Killian Hayes, but he's just such a backseat driver almost, you know, like he, He's a point guard, and I guess it's just this team because there's so much ball handling. But, I mean, what what can he do, I think, is a fair question. It's like you can criticize what he is doing, but what can he do? There's not a ton of opportunities for Killian Hayes to do stuff. Like, in this Lakers game, okay, 29 minutes, two of four, six points, eight assists, three rebounds. Like, I feel like that's a fine stat line for someone that's – on a team with Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham, you know, like there's just, there's just very few opportunities for someone like Killian Hayes to kind of go in there and make his mark, at least with scoring. But yeah, there's just not a ton of opportunities. And I do feel like when he gets the opportunities, he's good. Like, I don't remember if it was this pissed to the Lakers game or some other game, but there was one game where he was hitting like some important shots down the stretch. It must've been, a game they were close, and so it couldn't have been the the Blazers game. But there was a couple of shots that were hit, you know, when it when it mattered. So, like, again, he's – I'm not going to say he's the same as Sadiq Bay because I don't think he'll be nearly the same level of scorer. But he's he's got something. It's just he needs more opportunity. Well, <laughs> the problem is, Dylan, is that he doesn't shoot. And when he does shoot, he's not very good when he does it. Would you like to know what he's shooting on cleaning the glass right now? You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I remember there being a two in front of the number, so I'm assuming it's probably in that range. So this is from mid-range. He is shooting 10 of 41. All mid-range shots. That is good for 24%. (laughs) It's not good. Like, he can't finish. He's a decent three-point shooter. I wouldn't say he's good. And... I, I just feel like Dylan, it's it's just not good from that aspect. If you can't score, it's really hard to be a point guard in this league. And listen, if you just end up being Tyus Jones, that's great. But at least I know what I'm getting from Tyus Jones, right? Like if he can't defend like Tyus Jones and he can't, you know, 
not turn the, I don't know actually know how many turnovers he's averaging a game. I'll check on that real quick. Let's see. Killian Hayes is averaging two point or 1.7 turnovers to 3.7 assists. So not a bad assist to turnover ratio. I mean, honestly, Dylan, Drafting Tyus Jones with the seventh pick isn't great, <laughs> but if you, I think he tops out at Tyus Jones, and that's, I don't know if that's a, it's not an insult to Tyus Jones because he's had a great career coming out of Duke, but I, I just feel like with the seventh pick, it's not optimal. Yeah, I mean, it's still too early for me to say that Tyus Jones is his ceiling. I, I've always been saying he's a Ricky Rubio more type of guy and I still think that's probably the case but I mean the the two-point shooting is really tough but I mean hey Cam Reddish was a pretty bad two-point shooter for a while too and he's kind of come along so I, I think it's I think it's possible and again I think this Pistons team is a work in progress like Jeremy Grant is not going to be there these guys are all very young which means they're very bad you know, like they're not, they're not helping each other much. I mean, we, we've seen it. We, I mean, the Hawks are a good team to talk about because the Hawks, as their players have gotten better, they've just gotten better at like, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of a way that doesn't sound stupid. Like as the players have gotten better, the team has gotten better, obviously, but like they, the, like they're like Trey Young, for example, like his teammates being better has helped him become better. Right. And him becoming better has helped his teammates become better. Like there's just kind of that thing where as your teammates get better, they make smarter plays and they help you. And Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay and like all these guys, they don't have good teammates. These guys suck. They're this is why they've won four games, you know? They suck at basketball right now. So they they don't really have many opportunities to help each other. So I'm I'm giving a I'm gonna put a discount on the Killian Hayes hates here or whatever this is, but I'm gonna give him some more time. I think Tyus Jones is is I don't think that's fair for a ceiling. If it's just a little bit beyond that, maybe that's closer to what I think. But for now, I'm just gonna be patient with him. Tyus Jones for his career, because I was curious. <laughs> One thousand four hundred thirty-nine assists, two hundred ninety-three turnovers. <laughs> That's a pretty good assist to turnover ratio, but I mean, listen, it's again, it's not, I'm not trying to insult Tyus Jones. I'm not trying to insult Killian. I just feel like, you know, I need to see more, right. And usually guys on shitty teams can show more and Killian's just not showing more. And it's, it's a little bit of a concern, but I, I think we got to move on to the Suns, Dylan, but any, any last, any parting thoughts on the Detroit Pistons? Um, I mean, we didn't really talk about Frank Jackson, but I do love Frank Jackson. I loved him when he was in New Orleans. He's he's just always kind of intrigued me. Like he's just a put your head down type of scorer, and I just I like watching him. And I think, I mean, he he's like an, kind of an interesting trade candidate too. Um, I mean, I don't know if he, he'd be paired with Grant in any trades, but like, man, like pe- people have been talking about. Detroit as a possible Ben Simmons team and Grant and Frank Jackson in Philly. That's, that's intriguing. I don't know if it's the best trade that Philly could get at this point, who knows what the best trade is, but Frank Jackson, especially on that team would be really interesting. He's not, I guess he's not like 
too different from Shake Milton. But hey, just get two Shake Milton. Screw it. Yeah, and <laughs> Frank Jackson. I, I'll say this about Detroit's bench before we uh, finish up their section: is that I like all their guys as part of like better teams, except Trey Lyles. I'm not a Trey. I used to be a Trey Lyles guy. I'm not a Trey Lyles guy anymore. I do not like him on any good team, but. Yeah, throw Frank Jackson on a good team. Throw Hami Diallo on a good team. Throw Josh Jackson on a good team. Throw Kelly O'Linick on a good team. Those guys could all help good teams. And I think that'll be interesting to see if they auction off their guys. I don't think they'll get first-round picks for them, but you could probably get a second-round pick or two for Frank Jackson. You could probably get, you know, something decent for Hami Diallo. So we'll see. We'll see. But time to move on to the reigning Western Conference champions and win – and lossless through the month of November, Phoenix Suns. They are currently on a 17-game winning streak. They are 18 and three, good for first in the West. Um, and their last—I mean, they've obviously won. <laughs> they won every single game in November. I wonder if their starting five is going to get the 2015 Atlanta Hawks treatment with Player of the Month, if you remember that. <laughs> so, since we last potted, they beat the Mavericks twice, 105-98, then 112-104. They beat the Nuggets, 126-97. They beat the Spurs, 115-111. They beat the Cavs, 120-115. Destroyed your New York Knicks, 118-97. They beat the Brooklyn Nets, 113-107, in a game that wasn't really that close. And then they beat the Warriors... 104 to 96. And let's be real, Dylan. I, we, I feel like, so, okay. That's another injury I forgot. Devin Booker injured his hamstring. He's going to miss probably like a couple games, they said. So I don't think it's like anything major. But he did miss the second half of that uh, Suns game against Golden State. But they still pulled it out without him. And that's, we got to start with Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> this dude might be like, not the best defensive player in the league. But he's probably the best defensive wing in the league right now. He's he shut down James Harden and in the course of a few days, he guarded James Harden, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and did a great job on all three of them. Dylan, like just talk about Mikhail Bridges and how good he is, because I feel like I talk about him all the time. He's just like, I mean, first of all, he's he feels like a person that's been like stretched out. Like what were they like? There's a bunch of toys where you can like stretch arms like as long as possible, and I think stretch Armstrong was like one of the things like a long time ago. Um, but like I, that, that's what I feel like he is because like he just covers so much damn ground with his length. I mean, I can imagine even someone like Kevin Durant who is like that exact type of person as well, just long as hell, and. You know, he's he's a type of guy that's like, oh, I can I can make a pass over this guy, like whatever. But Mikhail Bridge is the type of guy where he can be like in a crouched position, put his arm up and cover like 18 feet in the air. Like he's just he nothing is easy with him. He just completely swallows all your space. Like I think that's somewhat something that people used to say about Marcus Smart, which is still true that like he just swallows your space. So just imagine that, but with like another 10 square feet of coverage, I mean, he, he just covers an insane amount of ground. He's just so, so good with his hands. And like, he just, he seems like he's always like, so in the moment of 
where he's at, like on the floor, because a lot of defenders we see, they kind of get lost in their head. They're thinking about where they're going to go eat after the game or, or, you know, they're thinking about something they shouldn't be thinking about. And oh, all of a sudden their guys, at the, at the basket, you know, putting a layup uh, in. And Mikhail is never like that. Like he's never really just kind of la, 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 la. Like he's never like just kind of dilly dallying. Like he's just always locked in. He's always on the best player. He's always given these guys hell. And it's it's the reason he's become one of our favorites on this podcast. And I mean, he he's just a special player, man. And and I'm I'm loving that he's on a team like this. I mean, what a fun player. <laughs> I mean, the eating space thing is so true. And Dylan, we both had Seth Curry as the third best player in the NBA. Right now, he is having a fucking phenomenal season. And Mikhail Bridges made his life hell. And I feel like he went four for 21. (laughs) How often do you see – and Steph missed a couple bunnies, right? And Aiden deserves a lot of credit for that defensive performance too. But Mikhail just was chasing him off of screens. They they just made his life hell. And Mikhail, I think, should be in running for – like, obviously, we're only 20 games in. He's easily first team all defense this year. I don't think anyone disputes that. And he will probably be in the running for like probably the top three player for a defensive player of the year. Like <laughs> he changes so many things you can do on offense. And he's not like, you know, a one kind of he and Matisse Tybel have in common that they're not like the one kind of steel guy, right? Like some guys get their steals by jumping the passing lanes. Some guys like Chris Paul get it by picking people's pockets. M- Mikhail can do both at like equally well level. And that didn't wasn't a good way to phrase it. Like he could do both things capably without a hitch, right? He can jump the passing lanes. He can strip the ball from the ball handlers. So he's just such a good, he's such a menace on that side. It's just not fair really to watch him guard the other team's best player, but he does such a good job. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so fun and it's exactly what this team needs. And this this is something I took from from that Suns game especially, but also um, was it the Heat? Did they play the Heat this week? It was some of the, I forget the other game I watched. Um, did you watch the? You didn't watch the Nets game, did you? Did you watch the Cavs game? No. Spurs. No. Nets. Uh, I, I it must have been the Cavs. I don't remember. It's my. My mind the past week has just been I've been in like a million different states. I've been flying. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening anymore. But this is your flu game, Dylan Hughes. Yeah, basically. But something I, I took from watching them was that they just have no holes. That's what's scary. And this is something obviously last year they didn't have any holes. They made the finals. But like on defense, let's think about this, okay? Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. Does it get much better than that? No, it doesn't get much better than that. DeAndre Aiden backing them up, pretty good. Chris Paul, like, and, and even Devin Booker's not as bad as he used to be on defense. Like, on defense, this team has no holes. On offense, no holes. I mean, they've got the size, which they used to kill the Warriors, by the way. Aiden just killed them. And I love Kevon Looney, but he got killed. Okay, rest in peace to him. Um, they've got the shooting. 
obviously Bridges there, Booker, Crowder, like all those guys are both very good two-way players and Chris Paul too. You've got passing, you've got shot creation, like they've got everything. They've got everything. And every player in that starting lineup kind of has their own specific role. And Crowder and, and Mikhail do over overlap a little bit, but they have some things that are better at than the other. But this team is just so strong. And it's still early in the season. And injuries will surely happen, as they already have with Booker. But, man, like, we've been talking about the Warriors all season. But 17 games in a row, that's pretty good. With a win over the team that was – first in your conference coming into the game like that's some special stuff and it was just a crazy game and I want to talk about Landry Shamit like I'm, I've been known as not a Shamit guy he is doing great stuff in Phoenix right now like he's shooting 38% from three he's playing great defense out there and he's moving the ball I mean Dylan like They've hit on every move. JaVale McGee's been a great player for them. Not great, obviously, but he's <laughs> averaging 10 and 7 right now with a block a game. Like JaVale off the bench was a great signing. I knew he could still help a team. I'm surprised he didn't get more run in Denver last year, but it, it just feels like they have no holes. And if they lose a guy, like if they lose Aiden now, you have JaVale in there who could do a, a facsimile of what Aiden can do. You lose, you can, no one in this roster can do what Devin Booker can do. But that's because there's like five guys in the league who can do what Devin Booker can do. So that's, you know, not a little bit fair. And obviously Chris Paul is Chris Paul still chugging along. (laughs) I mean, this team just, it feels like they have no holes, none at all. And I'm really excited to see. I kind of felt like they were favorites going into the year. And I, you know, I was after a brief bump by the Warriors. I still think they're the favorites in the West. They just have no holes. And as long as they don't meet the Bucks in the finals, there's a good shot they win the whole thing. I will say, Alex, they do have one hole, and his name is Alfred Payton. And He's played his, seven games. <laughs> his mere existence on this team is a hole. <laughs> in that Warriors game, I don't remember who the announcers for that game were, but one of them said when Alfred Payton played his four minutes – and went one and three in that span. The one of the announcers said, "And what a what another good pickup for the Suns team." Because they were talking about Javale McGee, they were like, "And what another good pickup for the Suns team, Elfer Payton, who was a starter on a playoff team last year." I mean, what a what an absolute sell job on Elfer Payton, calling him a starter on a playoff team, just not not really caring to mention that he was absolutely horrific as a starter on that playoff team. But, you know, Alfred Payton's existence on this team is is the only sad part about this Suns team. But yeah, I mean, they've they've got they've got the team to do it. They've got the team to go there at least again. And yeah, the Bucks the Bucks are a tough matchup. I do want to say I think this team could beat the Nets. They've got They've got the defense to do it, and especially considering Harden is just not what he used to be. And we've seen Harden late in the playoffs, too. Like, I'm not going to say that's going to happen again, but the only thing suggesting it is is history. So, I mean, who knows? (laughs) But 
if if the Bucks suffer an injury or something and the Nets get kind of like an easy walk or they just beat the, the Bucks straight up, I think this Suns team could beat them because, again, they have everything, man. They have defense on all levels. They have scoring, passing. They, they've got youth. They've got veterans. And something I got kind of excited about the other night was the thoughts that Jay Crowder can make three straight finals. And it just got me excited because Jay Crowder has been a guy that's just kind of been tossed around the league for really his whole career. Like he was important for Boston. And then after that, it was like, yeah, like maybe he's only good in Boston. That's what Boston fans loved saying. They loved saying that Jay Crowder was only good in Boston. It was their favorite thing to say. And they say it about other players. And yet they haven't won a, they haven't made the finals in quite a long time. But every player is only good on their team, apparently. So quite an interesting thing from the Celtics fans there. But Jay Crowder, three straight finals. That's what I'm rooting for this season. I don't care about anything else. I want Jay Crowder to make three straight finals. It's a, you know, I, I respect your wishes. Um, <laughs> it is funny because Evan Turner, that's probably the most true, only good in Boston guy. But yeah. <laughs> and Jay Crowder is just such a, like, a great fit. Cam Johnson would be starting on 29 other teams in the league. Just he, he would be. And they have him coming off the bench on this team. Like I was talking about earlier, they have no holes on defense. Absolutely none. You need a big guy guarded, like a bigger wing. They have Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson to throw at them. You need, and hell, with the new foul rules, Mikhail did a great job on KD, right? Like with the new, you can be more physical. That's really benefiting Mikhail Bridges. And I think that's part of the reason for his candidacy is just because he can body guys more now, use his core strength with his combined with his long ass arms. <laughs> you have just like a a terrifying defensive player, frankly. And then Chris Paul is still getting at it on defense, you know, guarding point guard somehow at age 36. I don't understand how that's possible. And then like you brought up with Booker and Aiton, I think Aiton just completes the team on both sides. Like this doesn't work without him. He blocked a Steph Curry three from like 30 feet, which shouldn't be possible, right? Like you think Steph Curry is a guy who shot never gets blocked. So it's just crazy how much Aiden's grown in his time in the league. And I, any other thoughts on the sun Dylan? Cause we're approaching our, our heart out. <laughs> no, man, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm that that's warriors game was just a huge game for them. And I do, I would be remiss if I did not say that Jordan Poole was unbelievable in that game. Jordan Poole has been so fun this year. We talked about him when we talked about the warriors he was one guy that the the Suns couldn't shut down. They, him and Otto Porter were somehow the only two players in this game that were kind of just like way better than usual. I mean, Wiggins got shut down, Curry got shut down. Like those those two guys were somehow the only ones that went off. But yeah, I, and this team is just is so good on all levels. They're to me, I. It's hard to say they're the most complete team because I it's either them or the Bucks probably, um, but I I still I just love their team and and they're hungry like you can tell they didn't like losing the finals. Some teams they get to the finals and that's good enough and they kind of lay down. This team they're not laying down. They got they got that taste and they seem like they they want to finish the job. You know. You echoed my thoughts exactly about them. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, shameless plug time. Lynn Sanity. Make sure you, this will be coming. This episode will be coming out on Friday. 
of the Power Hour. So we put out three episodes on Thursday. Um, Triple Option Pass is coming back for a reunion after a crazy weekend in college football. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers weekend. Um, the Divine Rhyme, damn, will finally be uploaded. We had some, a little bit of issues with that, but we finally got that resolved. Shout out to Will Hogsett for being patient and shout out to you, Dylan, for being patient with that. And then Linsanity will be out recapping week 12. And I think they're asking big picture questions, you know, after, you know, a monster NFL weekend. So, and make sure you buy Dylan Hughes's book. Um, I'm going to pull up the, I never remember the name. What's the name of your book, Dylan? No pressure, finding happiness in a fear driven world. If you don't buy that, you're a coward. Okay. We're just going straight to the insults today. So (laughs) Dylan Hughes, this episode was a lot of fun. And just a reminder for next week, I know I already said it twice, but our team for next week are the Nuggets, Mavericks, and the, and the Cavs. So make sure you check that out. Dylan Hughes, once again, thank you for joining me, pal. Thank you. Thank you.